0: Hello and welcome back to Page 94, the Private Eye Podcast. My name is Andrew Hunter-Murray and before we get on to the meat of today's podcast, I have an announcement to make, which is that you are listening to the last episode of Season 1 of Page 94. You may not have known that we were doing seasons, but we have been all along. And this is the end of the first one. Uh, Nobody's punched a producer, so there may still be a chance for me to return as host next time round. We're in talks with HBO about turning season two into a multi-million dollar extravagant bloodbath, and there's a stadium tour in the offing as well. But for the moment, this will be the last page 94 for a while. Now on to the main business of today's podcast. Uh, in the last mag but one, there was a huge piece about the honours system and the various characters who've received eccentric awards like the Knight Cross of the Order of the Thistle, of the Garter, of whatever it might be. Solomon Hughes is one of Private Eye's investigative journalists, and he's been covering the various ins and outs of the honours system for many years now. So I caught up with him and asked him, first of all, why any of this ceremonial stuff really matters anymore. Here he is, Solomon. Hello. Hiya, how are we doing? All right, good. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a piece in the latest I about the honours list 2015, the latest one. Yes. And the various people who've received them. Yes. Why is this important, to ask the obvious question?
1: Well, I've been covering the honours. I check my um, cuttings and I've been covering the honours since at least 2002. And I've always start from the point that the honours themselves aren't important. In fact, more than that, they're ludicrous. Um When you work in journalism, there's lots of bits of paper, so I'm just going to pick one up so there'll be some (laughs) rustling here. I know there've been complaints, but this is something that happens in journalism. And if you just look at what the honours are, they're absurd. You know, when Lenny Henry got a knighthood, he actually became a knight's bachelor. I don't know if he did have to split up with Dawn French first or if that was just... You know, the the honours... You get people who become a companion of the Order of the Bath or a companion of the Order of the Thistle. If you cared about that, you'd go mad. They're ridiculous pantomime balls. But the point is, the establishment care about them. They care about them very deeply and have done for some centuries, really. And so, the honours system, the awards, acts as an index of the establishment. If you look at it properly, you can see who they value. They say these people are extraordinary, and they often are extraordinary, although generally speaking, it doesn't take long to dig into the list and find the uh, people who are extraordinarily bad. So, that's why we look at the <laughs> honours system. So, for example, one of the people on the list was
0: Jeremy Isaacs, who uh, has donated, I think, about £300,000 to the Conservatives
1: in recent years, at least. Yes, yes, uh, 298000 I added it up as. Uh, my personal feeling is, is that is why he got the honour. That's, that's how I look at it. I find it hard personally to see it any other way. In the citation, he got the honour for helping the National Health Service because he has a minor role on the Remuneration Committee of some hospital or other or some health trust I don't personally feel that is why he got the award I think it more reflects his donation to the Conservative Party his position in the establishment and which when you look at it is his position really uh, as somebody who used to work for, for Lehman Brothers, not only that, it was very significant in Lehman Brothers. Uh, the last time I looked at his name, it was in something called the Volucus Report, which is the report into the collapse of Lehman Brothers. And there you find that Jeremy Isaacs has a very prominent role in the bank up to the point of its collapse, the collapse which sparked the financial crisis, which we're all still suffering the effects of. So if you look at it from my point of view, the way I look at it, it's, somebody's been given a CBE for doing two things. He's been given a CBE for giving a lot of money to the Conservative Party and he's been given a CBE for being involved in a bank collapse that caused the financial crisis which we're all living through. That's how I see it. Obviously the citation says otherwise. So,
0: these citations that we talk about, because I think there are nine categories perhaps in which people get them. So, there's services to health, or services to media, or to the arts, or whatever it might be, or to perhaps science, that kind of thing. So, you think they're not especially relevant? Is that a fair way of putting it in some cases, obviously. Some they, of them they
1: are. Yeah, sometimes they're relevant. I mean, they you know, you can see that the different honours come up through the different departments, so the citation might reflect the department. But I, I find it very hard to believe that the Department of Health said number one name on our list is Jeremy Isaacs. So where do the nominations come from in that case? Well, I mean, you can make them as a member of the public, uh, okay. the nominations. they open the, Under Labour, they open the, them up, uh, and they'll get ground through that committee I think essentially it goes through departmental committees but what happens, I, I remember I asked the uh, um, I think it's the cabinet office at one point they gave out a press release where they said, oh of the you know, a thousand honours 500 are for ordinary people and mm. I said well you must have some kind of catalogue when you give an honour as ordinary person <laughs> yeah. posh person or whatever it is yeah. and I asked them that and they said no no we, we, we can't talk, We it's all secret so we can't tell you but we would point out that of the honours around that number got um, MBEs and OBEs, so what they're saying is the lower awards for for ordinary people the higher awards are for the people we like the people who come through the committees wow. in effect, yeah. um, so they could be fed through by individuals, I mean no doubt it could be that Jeremy Isaacs uh, say nominated himself or one of his friends Nominated can you and, nominate yourself? Uh, I don't know. Actually, now you say that, I'm not 100 okay. percent sure. But you don't. I'm sure I could find someone to nominate me. But if I, 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 if I, I, I nominated you, you could nominate me. Yeah, they, I would. I would think that's reasonable. So, um, did
0: anyone else particularly leap out in the latest?
1: Well, I mean, this list? is this is how it works, isn't it? Is that uh, uh, the advantage we've got is because we're a fortnightly publication, we can spend a bit of time looking at this, so we can look at it in more depth whereas for the newspapers the national newspapers who are dailies they've got to look very quickly and so they... have to look at the um, press release. It's going to be easier. And so if I get the press release, I get... It says very quickly, and this is the press release, really helping newspapers write this story. And they say there are a number of well-known names being on the list. Uh, Lenny Henry, uh, the singer and songwriter of Ant Morrison, Welsh rugby legend Gareth Edwards, and Benedict Comeback, so on and so forth. So all the sort of celebrity ones are put up for the uh, press to so they don't have to look through the list. Right. We've got time to look through the list. and Actually, I didn't have to look very hard on this one. The very first name, or I think it's maybe the second name, is uh, Henry Angest, who's a substantial donor to the Conservative Party, runs two banks, one bank for rich people, which has low interest, and one bank for poor people, which has high interest. Yeah. I mean, he had, literally, he was on the second or third page. So I didn't have to look hard for him. He jumped out. Yeah. Another one that jumped out when we were doing bankers was um, Sarah Weller. Now, she is on the board of a government department, the Department for Communities and Local Government. I think that's helped her get the honour. There's no doubt about it. But it just just gives you a sense of what they think is honourable. They think it's honourable that businessmen should run the civil service, or businesswomen in this case, but it also they just didn't look at her... Excuse the rumble. They don't care what people like that do, or they actually positively like it, because she's also, as well as being on the board of uh, the Department of Communities and so on, she's also on the board of Lloyds, where she's supposed to be a consumer champion, a customer champion, but uh, while she was on the board of Lloyds, uh, Lloyds were fined £117 million for continuing to mess people around over PPI insurance. It was an incredible fine. incredibly... That's not honourable behaviour. We ran out of space, so I couldn't put this bit in, but I'll put this extra bit in. She's also a director of a water firm, United Utilities, which this March, so just... A couple of months before the honours, yeah. she uh, she was on the board of a company which was fined £750,000 for pumping millions of litres of raw sewage into an estuary near Morecambe Bay. So, according to the honours system, an honourable thing to do is to help run a company which pumps millions of gallons of shit into Morecambe Bay. Now, to me, that's not honourable, but... Uh, I guess I guess in this system it is This shouldn't be a surprise. This really. is why you're not on the committee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think um, newspaper reporting on the system has got better in the decade I've been covering okay. it, in fairness. Uh, they've picked out more of the wrong-uns now than they used to, so there's, they've encroached a little bit on a story which was a, a big open goal for us but I say they've encroached a little bit there's still plenty there you know take a bit of time look through it and understand that somebody who wants to become a uh, knight's grand cross of the order of Bath is likely to be possibly quite strong possibility a bit of a wrong and is going to reflect the uh, those honours reflect what the establishment think is honourable and of course the whole point is what the establishment think is honourable is to me, and I hope to our readers, often dishonourable.
0: Yeah. What was it like ten years ago, the newspaper reporting of it? Was it just more of the celebs, or was it...? Well,
1: they always do that. I mean, yeah, in yeah, fairness, drums, yeah. that they, that's always been there. It's always there partly because news values are that they're interested in a famous actor or a singer getting an award. That's a news value that we don't hold so much. Mm. Uh, it's also true because it's really, the news is very straightforwardly manipulated. It's a massive big list it's hard to deal with but they'll give you a press release that will highlight whoever it is, uh, the creator of Paddington, Michael Bond getting an award or whatever it is. Oh (laughs) jolly good. So they will highlight those kind of things Uh, and also to be honest there's a real uh, tendency to leak the celeb names early on which moulds the uh, press coverage as well so the Lenny Henry name was trailed quite a, a lot. I'm not 100% sure whether that's simply because celebs are more leaky or if it's because uh, the government press re- machine doesn't mind them doing that. But whichever way it is, it pushes the press coverage that way.
0: And it is meant to be apolitical. You know, the, the, Everyone is at pains to point out that the recommendations go to a civil service committee which contains one industry expert, You know, some more civil servants. That gets ground through to another yeah. civil service committee before the final list is approved, And you know... At, at most points government is meant to be hands off in a
1: way i think it's well what you see of course there are just straight political honors the angest yes. one was a straight political honor so what what but are there arms? are uh, well, I mean, they're just straight political honours. They're right. ones where they admit it's political rather than try and disguise it. Uh, because I think what you have, you have two processes. One, you have, uh, when they say apolitical, effectively it means places where there is cross-party consensus or a kind of general consensus. People think that it's, it's normal under Labour and Conservative governments to give the uh, heads of nationalised utilities some kind of gong. It just happens. Do you have any all-time favourites in terms of the honours that you've covered in the last what twelve years? This is I, I, I'm again a bit of shuffling of paper here. That, that this is this is how journalism <laughs> works. This is this is real life. It's not actually. We're actually in the Private Eye's secret hot tub on the roof, yeah. and I'll add the ruff, ruffling paper effects afterwards with the uh, our, our sound effects team. Uh, this was quite useful. Two, I was looking back, and in two thousand six. Uh, I accidentally stumbled on the financial crisis uh, only by looking at the honours, really, because I was just working backwards. I thought, these bad people have got the honours. Why have they got them? And uh, at that point, it was James Crosby of Halifax Bank of Scotland got a knighthood. HSBC finance director Douglas Flint got a uh, a CBE. And I I just thought, well, that's got to be bad. So I I, I wrote in there, um, services to banking ripoffs was the honour. And I wrote, Crosby's gong may reflect his bank's enthusiasm for new Labour PFIs, several of which it funds. It's also made huge profits, of course. Too bad that two years ago, HBOS was fined £1.25 for not having proper anti-money laundering procedures. And in March, it had a VAT dodging scam overruled by the European Court as an abusive practice and going on flint's hsbc was recently fined a hundred thousand pounds for giving inaccurate reports to the financial services authority uh hsbc has made big profits too of course with a handy sideline in subprime lending an industry term for charging huge interest to poor borrowers it has two brands aimed at the poor hf C Bank in Britain and the heavily criticised Household International Army in the United States. In a hint of a forthcoming debt crisis, HSBC recently doubled its provision for bad, bad debts to 622 million. Now, what the point of that was is it's saying that the banks were crim- crooked, they were being fined for misreporting, they were being fined for tax dodging, uh, they were up to no good and also uh, they were involved in subprime lending and they had a a big problem with bad debts. Now of course all those things within the next couple of years came to a a conclusion in the financial crisis so what if you wanted to know where is the next bad thing going to happen what's the next shock that will throw thousands into penury Well, just look at who gets knighted whoever (laughs) it is whoever gets knighted now is going to be the person who's going to mess you up the logic says in the next two years so that that was a particularly bumper year Solomon Hughes thank you very much yeah thank
0: you Solomon Hughes there, and I'd like to remind you that if you did want to nominate someone, maybe a podcast host that you especially like, for an MBE, you're very welcome to do so. Now, from dodgy dealings at home to dodgy dealings overseas, Uh, fortnight after fortnight, the privatised Letter From column deals with the ins and outs of global politics, corruption overseas, maladministration, and a whole host of other problems outside the UK. The man who looks after that page is called Anthony Goldman, and in the latest edition of The Mag, he looked at the Greek crisis not from Athens, where everyone has been sending correspondence, uh, but from Berlin. I asked him exactly why he'd done that and what he had managed to glean on his travels, or rather, on his not-travels. Here he is. Anthony, you look after the letter from... Yes, I do. Yep. And this week, it's from Berlin. It's from a few different places, but mostly from Berlin. Well, we have been expanding, actually.
2: Uh, originally, it was um, a column. Quite often, it is just a column. But uh, sometimes, when it's a really uh, busy period with lots of things going on, we can expand into a, um, a half page, or a whole page, as it was in the late edition. Where we also had stories. Uh, we had stories from, from Berlin and, and Greece. We had stories from Cayman Islands and also about Maldives. So it was uh,
0: all around the world in one easy page. You must have an incredible number of air miles,
2: well, actually, <laughs> uh, the best thing about looking after this column is that the stories come from people on the ground. Ideally, uh, you know, people uh, caught up in in the system, but uh, always from the ground. So it has that extra sense of I don't know, legitimacy or or intimacy because these are people who live with some of these issues day by day and so actually the, the opportunities for travel uh, from the economy are more limited than that it's more <laughs> a, a, a mysteries, a, the mysteries of the miracles of modern technology able to access people all around the world at the touch of a, a button
0: so we should talk about the berlin one especially and first of all because most people are reporting from greece at the moment and this week the eye is not doing that you've decided to go to berlin instead or to report from berlin which is an interesting choice you know one of the challenges of Uh, doing a column in a
2: bi-weekly magazine in a world that is just relentlessly uh, rolling news and uh, online and uh, blogging and stuff like that is to try to find uh, an angle on something that is interesting or to go to somewhere very far away uh, which (laughs) no one has ever heard of uh, which also uh, would be interesting and you know I think that what makes uh, for the best stories particularly uh, for you know for the iron for this column is uh, that element of hypocrisy where you have uh, someone affecting to be one thing but actually are also uh, another. And in the case of the, the story from Berlin, we were looking at the question of corruption, which is uh, said to be a, one of the root causes of the uh, tragedy that has been Greece over the last few years. And
0: Basically, the, the narrative is corrupt Greece... You know, silly corrupt Greece, that's why you've lost all the money, that's why you're not going to get any more of it from us. Is, is that a fair summation? I think so. You know, this, this sense that, you
2: know, these kind of uh, stout Protestant countries to the north, uh, you know, these uh, lazy, feckless uh, uh, people in the sunshine, you know, that uh, they brought it all on themselves. And actually, the reality, what we were looking at in this column was um, these things don't happen in a vacuum. That is quite true that there has been a great deal of corruption. In Greece, but corruption involves someone to do, to do the corrupting. And in this case, it seems to me that the corporate Valhalla roll call includes some of the biggest names in German industry. So we've got uh, daimler Benz, Seaman, some huge sums of money. And the issue is that finally Greece has begun to uh, deal with the issue, put some of the people behind bars, begin to crack down on this problem. And in Germany, partly turning a blind eye, very soft touch, you know, one leading chief executive.
0: To be fair, he did seem to receive an extremely hard slap on the wrist. And nothing more.
2: (laughs) His defence... uh, introduced the fact uh, that he'd had a brain tumour and mm-hmm. therefore couldn't possibly be held responsible for some of the things that were told to him to his face. And therefore, uh, he, uh, unlike some of his colleagues who had uh, suspended sentences, was able to get away with um, uh, just um, a fine.
0: Uh, but he was the firm's chairman at the time. Absolutely, and yes. And so he was able to run the rest of the firm. So this was a highly specific brain tumour which only affected his ability to notice the corruption. Is that...? I think <laughs> that the issue is you know,
2: that there does seem to be... An element of double standards here about, you know, there's a a certain amount of uh, laxity in some areas of the issue in uh, relating to to Greece and some of the problems and the the contributing factors behind some of those problems and much less laxity when it comes to dealing with the uh, people who are on the ground so that if they're already on the floor, you might as well give them a good kicking.
0: Right. We should talk about the Greek tank situation as well, because you have this incredible statistic in the column that, uh, let me just find it, it's that... On paper, the Greek army has more tanks in service than Germany, France and Britain put together. Well, I think that the defence industry is known as
2: being fairly leaky. And it's not just (laughs) Greece, there's plenty of other uh, countries around the world where people are massaging contracts and and so on but certainly I think uh, in Greece it was pretty emphatic that allocations that were going in were
0: far in excess of what the country needed or indeed received. So is that for example arms manufacturers from other countries saying to Greece would you like to buy an enormous amount of tanks or on paper an enormous amount of tanks but the number delivered is not quite as many and the extra money is creamed off is that how it works? More or less that's exactly how it works and quite a lot of them were German. Okay okay. And, as you say, Greece is starting to get to grips with this in terms of putting people in prison. Um, Oh, yes, the case of um, Michael Christopher Akos, who organised the Siemens uh, bribery and then fled to Germany, and now the German authorities are not handing him over to Greece...
2: Yes, this is a good example, I think, of how things look differently in different capitals (laughs) because this is a dual national uh, who I think Greece is absolutely clear was involved in uh, bribery and would like to have him brought back as a Greek national to Greece uh, to face the consequences of that. As a dual national uh, with German nationality as well, it seems that the Germans have been a little bit more slow at beginning to see where the best course of justice might lie with uh, this particular chap. I think the bottom line is it shows, uh, do as we say, if you're rich enough, strong enough and powerful enough, not as we do. And that is a good letter from
0: Anthony Goldman, thank you very much. Andy, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Goldman there, who has the small beat of the other 190 countries in the world, apart from the UK, to report on every time. Now, from the letter from Berlin to the letters from readers... Tristan Davis is Private Eye's chief sub-editor, and he looks after, among a very large amount of other stuff, the letters page, the correspondence from readers, which fills two pages of every magazine and could easily fill a dozen more if there was space, or for that matter, inclination to put everyone's letters in. Here he is on Andrew Neil, Mohammed Fayed, pseudonames, and beards. So, Tris, hello. Yes. Andy, hello. Hi. <laughs> um. So the letters, I think a lot of people read the letters first in the eye. I. I, uh, I normally do. To
3: see if there have been any complaints about things you've written. Basically, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, they're certainly they're, they're the first thing we, we start to put together when, when the magazine is being um, produced. Um, and uh, happily, there are regularly many hundreds of them. Um, our readers are particularly active, perhaps none of them... Uh, hold down regular jobs and have too much time on their hands. But uh, it's evidence that they read the magazine incredibly closely, and they feel very proprietorial towards it, not just our sort of running gags, but sort of the issues we we, we tackle. And um, they're a very diverse bunch. A lot of them are very knowledgeable, very funny and sometimes bloody annoying uh, <laughs> because they, they do read the magazine incredibly closely. It keeps us on our toes.
0: Because yeah, a lot of it, it reads like corrections or people saying, I disagree with this or what you've said, I think these figures actually counteract the yes. ones you quoted or well, whatever it might you know, be. Part,
3: part of the function of a letters page, obviously, is if you cock something up, it's one of the places you can uh, give people some space to put things right. And the I, contrary to popular, Uh, misconception is very good at that and we we do always try and put things right immediately if we've by some strange (laughs) fluke made an error but we don't set out to we do certainly try to put things right very quickly and the letters page is the first place one can do that but Equally well, we have a lot of readers who, who, who do have a lot of their own obsessions and they <laughs> like getting them off their chest. There are regular letter, letter writers who probably do have far too much time on their hands. I mean, I'm thinking particularly of the man who he writes to us very regularly, accusing us of pognophilia. Sorry, no, pognophobia, actually, uh, sort of fear of beards. Right. So he's, he's, he's a regular contributor and he's obviously very, very keen to get his name in. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> He automatically goes in the, uh, in the thank you, try punch um, <laughs> file. It feels a bit like a club, yes. clubhouse. Yes, yes, there is definitely a, a sort of a clubbish feel to it. Um, I suppose the only thing any of these people have got in common is the fact that they read the eye very closely care about what's in it, and obviously like it very much. I mean, if they were actually to meet in, in person, if we were to have a clubhouse and we were all to get them together, I mean, it would be a complete, a complete nightmare. <laughs> There'd be the, the sort of obsessive-compulsive pedants in one corner, uh, the wind farm enthusiasts in the other, then the sort of frackers at the... Uh, Finger buffet, uh, and they probably they probably really wouldn't um, wouldn't like each other very much, but they are united by this love of uh, of, of our <laughs> Catholic the Catholic taste of our own.
0: But you've got a couple of quite uh, high-profile letters in this week's pages. So there's one from Mohammed Fayed...
3: Yes, it's quite unusual uh, to get a letter from Mohammed Fayyad himself, although he signed himself this week Scottish Grand Vizier. Um, in the past, letters from Fayyad have always come from a chap called Michael Cole, who was his spokesman at Harrods. He was a former BBC journalist who became a, a Fayyad spokesman. And he would regularly bombard us with letters, not just about Mohammed's activities, but also about his own hair, because the the, <laughs> the regular description for... Michael Cole in the eye was Bouffant Head or okay. Pompadour or something. Anyway, so yes, this week it was unusual to get uh, to get a letter from him. It was in response to a, not exactly a campaign, but some regular pieces we've been writing about offshore ownership and the sort of huge. Land holdings across Britain, not just in sort of the prime bits of central London, but also in Scotland, um, that are owned uh, offshore in quite shady and opaque tax havens. And Mohammed's name came up in a piece that Richard Brooks wrote about uh, the highlands and offshore islands and Mr Fyred wrote to point out that he was very gratified to be back in the magazine and referred to as the phony pharaoh. Well, I I note he hasn't actually spelt pharaoh correctly, but but, uh, as we often get it wrong, that's probably forgivable. Um, uh, Pointing out really that rather than list all these sort of offshore owners, we should be bigging up the millions of pounds they pour into the Scottish economy, um, supporting jobs and development and environmental improvements. And you know, that's a you know, may well be a fair, maybe it'll be a fair point, but <laughs> much of Scotland is still owned in bizarre places, yeah. from uh, Liechtenstein
0: <laughs> to uh, the Caribbean, which is
3: quite unusual.
0: Another big name who crops up this week is uh, well, not a big name, but a big face uh, is Andrew Neil.
3: Ah, yes,
0: Andrew Neil. And There's a photo of Andrew Neil. We should explain for the benefit of anyone who's recently started reading the mag. There's a photo of Andrew Neil. Um, you in know, a
3: baseball b- cap and vest.
0: Yeah. Um, embracing a young woman uh, on a beach yes and it's 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 a very funny photo and it's been in the mag you would probably for many know years yeah, you many, many probably know many how many years. times it's been in as yes well. uh, but
3: i would i'm not so, so sad a character that i'm actually gonna count them <laughs> uh, but it has
0: been many 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 times in the magazine and people keep is... writing in and asking for it though that's the thing i mean i know yes. that you would love to print it every time but you yes. kind of need an excuse well <laughs> this
3: this this is another illustration of the ingenuity of our of, of our um, readers um they know that if they goad us enough with a good enough letter, we will run the photograph again of Andrew Neil clutching this sort of attractive younger woman, looking daft, under the headline, Photo Opportunity. (laughs) And we've been doing this for many, many years, uh, and the readers always come up with fantastically uh, spurious justifications for it. And we haven't, we've actually uh, not been running this letter for some months now. And I think the Andrew Neal letters have uh, fallen away, not because Andrew Neil isn't visible in in many ways he's sort of more visible now than he he was when the letters started because instead of being a sort of fairly distant newspaper editor he's now you know on our television screens Mm. and I wonder if the reason the letters have fallen away is because he had an an absolutely fantastic general election fantastic forensic interviewing and Mm. much more knowledgeable about any of the manifestos than any of the politicians he interviewed and I'm just wondering if people people didn't sort of think um actually he's Probably quite a force for good. We shouldn't take the piss uh, so much. So they stop writing letters. But all that happens is you have a bit of a heat wave. People's tops come off, and um, yeah. somebody writes in. I,
0: the letter is uh, given. The recent hot weather. I feel it incumbent on your esteemed organ to illustrate for readers the importance of keeping cool, regardless of age or gender. Yes. Well, so uh, thank this, you, Steve this, Harris, for this, that.
3: This, this picture does exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> As. Uh, Andrew is uh, looking past his best and uh, the young lady in question is yet to reach her prime. (laughs)
0: I can put it like that. So now that we've got Andrew Neil in this week, there is something which is missing, which is pseudonames. Ah, yes, pseudonames. Which has been going for a this very long time. This has been going
3: since about 1304, <laughs> uh, in fact, September 2008, Oh my gosh. Uh, when somebody wrote in and said, sir, I was somewhat taken aback to see that in issue 1218, you printed a letter where the correspondent called himself Aston Villa, and then added his real name in brackets. I'm surprised you let this happen, as it could start a worrying trend of letter writers trying to Get the name of their favourite team into the eye. Yours apprehensively, Carl Isle United. And uh, so it started innocently <laughs> oh enough with that, a little piece of f- uh, fan mail. Like it's like that.
0: the first. Um, it's like the first case of plague. Isn't yes. It? <laughs> it's yes. Patient well, uh, zero. Yes. Well, that's
3: Yes, but it, it was. It was sometime. Well, it was very quickly actually that we reached peak <laughs> peak <laughs> pseudo names. This this letter then, then then inspired another one, which said, "I totally agree with Carl Isle United. The names of your correspondents in these letters columns should be honest and truthful, and not pseudonymously supportive of their local football teams. Nip this annoying trend in the bud immediately." And That was from Don Castorovers, <laughs> and um, so what started as just a couple of childish um, late summer squibs, yeah, um, then really did a snowball. <laughs> seven in the years summer. now. Yes, seven years, my seven God!
0: Years. But is is this is it being killed off now for good? Is this it for pseudonyms? Oh, you
3: see, it's, they're a bit like cockroaches, really. They're really, <laughs> they're really difficult. Really difficult to stamp out. We've been um, thinking about killing off and trying to kill off (laughs) pseudonymes for years. Uh, In fact, there were sort of complaints about names. I mean, just a few months after it had started. One lady wrote, Sir, I'm very grateful to your organ and the numerous attempts by your readers to cheer me up during the winter months. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked. Serotonin. And so they got um, sort of cleverer and they, they, they soon left the football sphere behind. And we've had various attempts to, to to kill off the column, thinking it's too childish, it's too cheesy, it's <laughs> too much like old episodes of... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Um, and then, bloody hell, the readers um, start sending in just really funny, <laughs> clever, inventive, inventive pseudonyms. And so the whole thing, rigmarole, starts off again. <laughs> However, this issue there are no student names because the last lot were really pretty poor <laughs> uh, so with any luck if our readers are out sunning themselves and not concentrating perhaps that may be the end of student names okay. but we shall see yeah. in the past it's always unfortunately a small lull has always provoked an absolute sort of Tidal wave of vengeance from from
0: our our, our people. Uh, You realise that what you're saying basically sounds like a challenge to everyone listening to this right now. (laughs) To a better one.
3: Yes, but I'm sure there's more interesting things to do. (laughs) But uh, no, there have been some 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 fantastic letters. Um, And again, it's it's another illustration of um, uh, our readers' inventiveness and um, you know and pedanticness as well. Well, that that
0: too. Yes. Tristan Davis there. Well, that is all from this bumper 9.4th episode of Page 94. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's certainly been an enormous pleasure to make. In the meantime, if you'd like to buy any merchandise, you can, of course, get some Page 94 merch. We currently sell it in all good newsagents. It's a small paper product called Private Eye and is available at an obscenely low price. Thank you very much again for listening and goodbye.